0: Welcome to Run Your Mouth, I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Isaac Updike of Nike and Empire League. Isaac is an accomplished steeplechaser who made it to the finals in the last two Olympic trials, most recently finishing fifth in Eugene in 2021. With a personal best of 817 in the steeple and 358 in the mile, he's also one of the speediest runners to ever come out of his native Alaska. Isaac had a pretty tough 2022, marked by two bouts of COVID that derailed his track season, but he came on the show with a great attitude and a great perspective about his place in the sport, his remarkable longevity as a pro, and his goals moving forward. We had a great conversation about all the ins and outs of steeplechase and hurdling, as well as his relationship with his coaches and teammates, why he proudly wears the blue collar runner label, and what it felt like to finally earn an individual pro contract at last year's trials. This episode of Run Your Mouth is presented by Nike. We've partnered with them to help share athlete stories in a way that reflects all the different reasons that we choose to run, work out, and find our part of the track and field community. In my conversations with athletes in all events and all levels over the years, one common theme I hear over and over is that finding the unique ways that running brings you joy is the best way to develop a happy lifelong relationship with the sport. So come run with Nike. For the everyday runner, Nike is committed to motivating, standing by, listening, and helping you from the starting line to the finish line, and every inch, meter, and mile in between. Whether it's a local road race, a major marathon, or just a run with friends, get out there and run. Just do it. Check out the Nike Run Club app and come run with us. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so they end up right on your feed and you can listen to all the new shows as soon as they come out. Follow Run Your Mouth and Sidious Mag on social media and enjoy the show. Welcome to Run Your Mouth, Long Run Talk for Long Talking Runners. I'm your host, David Melly, uh, and I'm here this week with a uh, fellow steeplechaser, which is always uh, a, a point of pride for sure. Um, Isaac Updike, welcome.
1: Hi, hi, thanks for having me.
0: How's, uh, how's everything going? I hear we've, we've had quite the journey with COVID this summer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, 2022 has not been kind to me, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm getting back yeah, I uh, just had a, a couple, um couple instances with COVID uh, late May and then beginning of July. So it kind of um, screwed up essentially everything that you're building towards for, for the previous year um, with track season. Uh, but uh, you can't really, you know, wasn't an overuse injury or anything like that. So there's, you can only control uh, what you can control. So we're
0: here. Yeah. So what, what did that, I guess, what did that look like for you? Like, getting through that and then sort of making the decision that you know the the season wasn't gonna wasn't gonna be worth continuing um
1: yeah getting through it was uh, the first like i didn't the first time i got COVID i didn't realize i didn't get sick traditionally i just started having like heart rate issues so i I wasn't uh, i may have been able to expedite the recovery had i had i known that I was sick and not racing on it um, because the trials of miles race that I, I did in New York uh, at the end of may, I had gotten it like a week before. So I think I was like still, <clears throat> it was still pretty active, but yeah, kind of just uh scaled things back. Um, I had left altitude and went to Eugene um, to try and uh, eliminate some outside factors like altitude, right. And, and just like external stresses that you uh, can avoid mm. if you're not not at altitude. Um, and then it was kind of just a day by day situation, whereas I was just out, I would just run easy, uh, cause that was all I was able to do. And then, uh, just doing a couple strides every other day to test the body and see where the heart rate was. And, um, ultimately made the decision the day of the race, um, really like maybe an hour before the race, uh, I, I was still trying to convince myself and, uh, trying to like eat lunch and just like, I was so nervous. I was about to throw up and I just didn't have. I wasn't in a good headspace. I hadn't been working out for the last five weeks. It wasn't gonna be pretty. Um, so we made a decision to scratch and kind of look for a late summer uh, steeple season. I had looked in Luzan and um, Zagreb and some other opportunities right now or were on the plate when I had decided to scratch USAs. Um, and then I had about a week stretch uh, in the beginning of July, when I, uh, my heart rate had settled back down and I was getting excited and uh, did one workout and then um, ended up getting COVID again. And that kind of forced the hand on just uh, scratching the, the season as a whole. Cause you just can't uh, another three or four weeks down the drain. And at that point you're two months removed from really doing any sort of workout and to come back and try and race uh, a month later doesn't really make sense. Um, that and I don't think, I don't know if I'd even be let in. <laughs> So, cause it's not like, you know, I don't have the decision to just go, I have to be accepted.
0: So what are those kinds of, you know, obviously kind of the decisions about the race <laughs> schedule and training and stuff, but also just, you know, broadly conversations about, you know, your goals and training and stuff. What are those conversations with your coach look like these days? Cause I feel like those of us that, you know, have kind of been in the sport for a long time and have, you know experienced a lot of ourselves. it it, it kind of does become at a certain point like a much more collaborative process with with coach and athlete. How does that work for for you guys on the Empire team?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, uh, collaborative is a great way to put it. Uh, Tommy and John are super receptive to uh, their athletes and to like working with them and 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 you know they obviously have knowledge. and so you want to take that and uh, um listen to them but they aren't going to supersede your opinion and what you think is best for yourself, which is one of the reasons why I've stayed with them over these years. Uh, and so it was kind of, uh, um, Tommy was all about me racing at USA's for a long time. Um, and uh, because it's like a, a point of pride, right? To go out there and represent, uh, uh, try to represent your country and, and uh, show all the work you've done, even if it's not gonna uh, look great, right? But then there also has to come a point where it's like, is it counterproductive to do that? Right. Um, And that's kind of the point that we got to. And that was the discussion I had the day of the race um, to, uh, you know, kick the can down the road and uh, look, look, just look for the future.
0: So, and obviously, you know, I feel like your group over there, it's like kind of, I hate to call it old timers because you guys aren't that old in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of folks that you know have sort of been in the in the game for for a while and and you know fortunately have really seemed to kind of break out you know Colby and and Travis and you you know had these big kind of um you know breakouts in in your late 20s and early 30s what do you think is kind of like the secret sauce in in terms of kind of having those those big steps forward kind of at this point in your career
1: yeah, I wouldn't consider them big steps, right? Because we've been doing it for a while. <laughs> um, but uh, part of the secret sauce is probably the fact that we still enjoy it and we uh, haven't really gotten, you know, uh, I don't want to say some other people get overtrained, but right, like uh, the sport generally is super aggressive for four to six years and, and then you kind of get tired of it or you lose the, the heart or the drive or whatever you want to. Call it and uh, um, you you move on to bigger and better things. And I think some of us, one, we haven't hit that, uh, you know, representing USA or something like that um, quite yet. And we haven't been overtrained and we've just managed to make it, uh, you know, we enjoy it still. Right. And, And so I think that. Uh, and then, like everyone knows, it's just time, right? It's like you have to stack months and years together uh, to potentially have a single breakthrough um, once you get to a certain point, right? It takes It's a diminishing return on, on running. And and the faster you get, the harder it is to get faster. Um, so then it may take 14, 16, 18 months to, to have another breakthrough, whereas in college or,
0: or your early 20s, it may only be, uh, you know, season to season. So, like, I know, I feel like a lot of times when you know, you see an athlete, like the times start coming all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's this, you know, again, the word people use is breakthrough, but you know, that doesn't necessarily line up with where, you know, that athlete was in training and and where they, you know, knew that they could be. So for you, I guess, like, what was the moment over the past couple of years for you, where you felt like, you know, all of a sudden, I'm like, Isaac Uptek, 8'17 guy. Like, did that, was that a distinct moment or did it kind of just fall into your lap over time and, and you know, building um, slowly?
1: Yeah, no, definitely building slowly. I, I like, I wasn't good at <laughs> Out of college uh i I never had like the, the thought process where like I'm gonna go out and you know I'm gonna be an eight sub eight twenty guy, right? It was always like left college running eight forty seven and then I ran eight thirty and it's like, okay, I'm an eight thirty guy. maybe I can run eight twenty six or eight twenty seven and um like you're saying, like those small steps um in between years of navigating coaches and and jobs and uh moving across the country and stuff like that um and uh I don't think like it's tough because 817 two years ago sounds pretty good. Now it's like, you know, you're, you're uh, in the mix with seven or eight other guys. Uh, So 817 is not going to uh, cut it anymore, but uh, so, so I'm not, I'm not considering myself an 817 guy. Uh, I I still want more.
0: (laughs) So uh, obviously, you know, coming out of college and and kind of doing the, the kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, like, semi-pro thing for a while amateur
1: yeah
0: (laughs) sub elite everyone everyone has like different you know blue collars this hot button term now that makes everybody angry um but I guess you know when when that you know when that Nike contract comes comes knocking did that feel like a moment for you of like validation of, of kind of everything that you've been to that point
1: for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a bittersweet situation because, uh, you know, you always hope it, like getting that contract and in, in dealing with, uh, agents and, and companies and stuff that, you know, in between rounds at the Olympic trials is not a, it's not a fun thing. Um, you know, it's stressful. Um, cause you're trying to figure out, like you're trying to balance, like just being in the moment and and being with your family and recovering and focusing on like the final and stuff like that and then you're trying to negotiate with these um massive companies on on your worth right um and a lot of times it's it's uh a contingency on like hey you have to this has to be done before the finals right because they want you to run in their gear in the final if you make the make the team um and so yeah I mean is that was the first you know this this is the first standalone contract that I've earned um after many years so yeah it feels it feels great uh to to have that um but it, you kind of have to remember where you came from and how you got here and not to kind of uh
0: settle in right so if i remember correctly i think uh you you and uh our, our friend dan Mihalski were were kind of both showed up at the same time repping the the nike contract the nike uniforms was that something yeah. that you guys had like been talking about before or did you kind of like just oh. see him and have that like spider-man moment yeah
1: that's a
0: good reference
1: yeah um yeah i don't i didn't know dan i still don't know dan a, a ton right um i've raced him a couple times on the circuit um but uh, i think he showed up in the prelims i think he had his nike deal before the final um because that was like you know you notice when someone's wearing mm-hmm. that the Nike kit because it's all all of a
0: sudden they they got a brand new pair and, of spikes on you start noticing yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> blue and green the 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 light not lightning bolts but that design and it was like oh wow he signed with Nike right um and then uh, after the prelims then of course like I negotiated everything and talked to them and then I show up and it did you feel like all eyes are on you right because you you show up and you take off your warm up and it's like this bright single it and you're you know mm-hmm. everyone's like oh you know so it was it was pretty cool because a lot of my friends and family didn't know uh until I walked out right and so then they oh, got that's to kind exciting. Of <laughs> yeah I didn't really tell anyone um whether I meant to or not. I can't remember. <laughs> but my friends really like the fact that because I have a group of buddies all uh moved from Legrand to Eugene. We all ran for the team in Eugene uh there were seven of us. Um and I'm like mm-hmm. the only the lone survivor at this point. Uh, <laughs> still trying to make it and uh so for them to all see me come out in a kit is like it was, it was special for more than just me
0: yeah and then you know obviously moving you know from team around eugene and then moving to to new york and and Wine and, and all the kind of change around that how you know obviously, kind of there's just a lot of factors at play to to navigate and and roll yeah. with the punches, and you know covid the just the general pandemic obviously <laughs> being one of them too yeah, yeah how how do you feel like you kind of like managed it all maybe you did go crazy, but like how did you stay sane throughout you know all of all of the changing stuff that's going on
1: <laughs> yeah uh i mean team newgene kind of uh, and and for better or worse my my college uh, uh program right we weren't well funded and had to fundraise there and stuff like that so i it kind of set me up for uh the blue collar world of running um mm-hmm. and having trying to try and scrape by and, and and be really like um just be creative with how you get things done or, or how you get places and, and the workouts and, and all that kind of stuff um so that that helped quite a bit and then i uh, I'm pretty easygoing and I I mean, I have a lot of, well, I ended up just moving. I lived in like for six to eight weeks in, I just left New York and drove to Montana. And and so uh, I had the fortunate ability to go and just stay with family and friends um, for probably six, seven months during like the, the beginning of like, well, March, like. 2020, the bulk of 2020, mm-hmm. I wasn't in New York. I was in Montana with my sister. I was in Eugene with my brother. Um, I was in Boulder with the Y crew doing an altitude stand. Like I, I just had the ability to kind of put everything I needed in my car and just leave. Uh, and that's kind of how I stayed
0: sane. That, uh, do you thrive in sort of the, you know, I, I, for one, like I'm such a creature of habit. Like I need routine and stability and, and, mm-hmm that that to me sounds like at least like not an environment where I would thrive from a running perspective. <laughs> do you, do you feel like that was hard or, or that that kind of was in a way like freeing to kind of just cut it down to the essentials and, and hit the road? Um. Yeah, it was, it was, I would say the workout part was,
1: was more difficult, right? You're, you're more solo, but all these places that I went to were, were, I would consider them homes. Right. I, um, parents are from Montana. I I've lived, I lived there for a short stand. I like, I didn't feel like I was traveling when I went there, right? I had a room. I had, um, I'd already had routes and, and friends and uh, other runners in the community I could link up with. Um, and same with Eugene for living there for a couple of years, right? Um, so I had routine in in all the places that I went.
0: So, speaking of of various homes, so obviously you you grew up in Alaska, yeah. Um, and and Mo- how, when were you in Montana?
1: Oh, it was like a year and a half, like sixth grade and part of seventh grade. It was, it's just okay. a, yeah, it was very, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, you kind of gloss over it because it, it doesn't sound as cool if you say I wasn't born and raised in Alaska.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so wait, so are your parents in Montana now? <laughs> uh, they split
1: their time between Montana and Alaska because uh, my, my mom's from Montana, um, but they still, they have a, a dive business in Alaska that they still mm-hmm. uh. Uh, run and, and operate so so how,
0: bounce often, back how often do you get back north
1: um to alaska probably once a year it's really not that difficult to get it's an hour 40 flight or hour 50 flight from seattle so you're mm-hmm. not you're really not that far north um, well you're as far south as you can get in alaska technically uh um but generally the the meetup spot would be in montana because it's a little more central and um it just price-wise it's just easier to get there
0: have you thought about uh, trying, to, trying to take a crack at the Alaskan soil uh, mile record now that you have well, the sub sure. four?
1: Yeah, um, I, was pl- I was planning on being part of that, uh, the Alaska mile uh, when Dunbar put it on. But I had, uh, had an incident with a water pit barrier that is <laughs> that, that, <laughs> uh, terrible timing because Marcus was there. Like the, the Dunbars were at the meet and I tore my PCL in front of them And it was like, I guess I can't come to Alaska now um so yeah that's one of my uh obviously it's a, a little different than a steeplechase record but I would love to try and um I mean I don't think any if I remember right no Alaskan has broken four um but I think so that's one like kind of cheeky uh goal right uh, to go up there and break four uh as a, like Alaska resident or, or I don't want to say native but um someone who was born and raised there but then did the Ben Blankenship he ran like three, he's the record. I looked,
0: I looked it up right That's before he the, the record. Yeah,
1: he ran that in like 58 degrees and rain or something crazy. So, uh, let's um, get a little yeah, bit I mean, better weather. <laughs> yep. It would be a lot of fun to get a couple guys, um, and, and, uh, go up there and, and see if we can't get something happening, but it's a, it's a logistical, uh, headache, right? Um,
0: get to, because, can, now that Trevor's in the coaching business, get him to organize it. And then you can yeah, show yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Another runner friend to to become like an executive in Alaska Airlines and then we can get all the sorts of connections.
0: <laughs> that that could do it. Um so so then to kind of I guess complete the circle, um, Eastern Oregon, why where do you how'd you end up there in the in the post high school world?
1: Um, I, I knew in high school, despite not really being a a, a track athlete, that I was probably better at running than any other sport. And I wanted to do something in college. So that was kind of what got me down the track of looking at <clears throat> schools to run for. Um, and I reached out to basically all the Oregon, Western, Eastern, Southern, um, some of the Portland schools and in Eastern Oregon, the coach is from Alaska. So he, I think that was a connection right away. Uh, and then he he was the only one that offered me even like a walk-on position uh, uh no one else really, really even like batted an eye which is fair because I, I didn't have any track marks so I'm like yeah, I don't uh and my sister was also going to school there so that was kind of the two two main reasons because I could run for them and my sister was there uh and it, it just worked out
0: so speaking of speaking of siblings uh you know I'm sure you had this question all the time but how does How does the twin rivalry factor into your your running history? <laughs> well, uh I mean
1: early early in the like in, in high school, he was uh a better runner or athlete. Uh, and so maybe I was more conscious of it than the rivalry. but uh, uh he had taken a year off of school and and I guess that probably helped separate. Uh there was never really like a, a, a negative tension, I guess. There's always gonna be competitiveness, right? Um uh but it was never uh something that was poisonous or, or bad for the running culture or our team or, or brotherhood or anything like that. Um it was, at least in my eyes, it was always positive. Um, but that also
0: I can say that because I was always
1: the one outleaning him.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well plus uh, you always you got someone to like, you know, get you out the door on like the the yeah. long run that you really don't want to oh, do. You, <laughs> Break, spring break place times when we were just like at our family place,
1: right? It's like if one one of us doesn't want to do the run, it was really easy to have the other one be like, "No, like go get your stuff." We're you know we're going.
0: Um, so accountability
1: is a big part of that.
0: Yeah. Positive peer pressure—that's what I always like to call it. Yeah, constructive <laughs> <laughs> criticism. Um, so at so given that you've run so many different, like you you've been all over the country and and obviously raced all over the country too uh what is what's your uh favorite place to race and then like favorite place to just do like a long run
1: oh um favorite long run might actually be up in New Paltz um which is a rail trail and that's just because it's super i mean there's a lot of rail trails in the northeast that i haven't ran so they <laughs> may also be gorgeous but just the the running surface um generally when i'm back there it's fall so the temperature is like that that cool and crisp morning um super invigorating to to like work hard in right um you're never overheating um and just like a a very gradual net uphill on the way out and which is always super fun on the
0: way back it's nice on the way Uh, back yeah
1: (laughs) yeah it's not it's not steep enough to where it affects your your gait or your stride you can still run hard out and have a you know you can you can get a real nice average on the way out, which only uh, adds to the way back. Uh, and then in terms of racing, oh man. Um, I mean, I've had a lot uh, a lot of good races in Hayward, <laughs> as corny as
0: that sounds. Um, the old Hayward and the new, right? I was gonna uh, ask you, if you're gonna say Hayward, you gotta <laughs> specify, are we talking historic Hayward or new yeah, Hayward? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I had, I'd had broken the, my school record uh, or the old school record in college at Hayward um, um, the same weekend that it was set like 20 years later. So that was super, you know, like a, a super cool moment. Um, obviously racing at the trials in 16 um, and making it out of the first rounder and uh, into the finals uh, was unexpected. Um, and then the 817, so yeah it's, it's like i'm sure a lot of people would say a word at this point i'm trying to think about it like a cool unique track
0: is there anywhere uh, you want to race like you were talking about lausanne and and some of those stuff but oh if, yeah if you're like uh, you're you're getting your ticket punch to to anywhere in the world for for a steeple where you want to go
1: oh monaco for sure
0: yeah I feel like that's but again the correct like, answer. That's like yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah Oh okay um, um. <laughs> I do have some family in Switzerland, so I think it'd be really cool to go there. Um, and uh, um, and then out and then uh, I will say uh, my girlfriend Justine, she's uh, she has family in Hungary, so Budapest would be a really cool place to race.
0: All the more reason for <laughs> 2023 spring to go pretty well. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: As, you know, given all of the, you know, I, I guess buildup of, you know, coming into 2021 and trials and COVID delaying it and then going through that. And then, you know, now it's coming sort of fast and furious, um, you know, with the with worlds every year leading up to to Paris. Um, where do you kind of see like, do you have like, you know, a long term plan for the next five years? Or are we just taking it, you know, one meet at um, a time?
1: I wouldn't say five years. That's that's a stretch. Huh?
0: Whatever, whatever <laughs> year we're at. Yeah. <laughs> We love to do volume and move to the
1: marathon. Um, yeah, I mean, 2024 has always kind of been the end, uh, end all be all, right? Uh, just with uh, timing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely going to be older at that point. But I, again, I haven't really, I don't have the like the youth aspect. I haven't been running as long as a lot of these other people. Um, so uh, I think that I have fresher legs than someone in
0: a similar age category as me.
1: Uh, do so you that's, feel like that's,
0: that's, just as a sidebar, like, do you feel like that's purely a volume thing or just a, a time plus intensity? I, like, what is, what do you feel like when you say fresher legs, like, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, if you boil it down, definitely just volume, right. And stress, like, um, I think part of the reasons why I've been able to progress is uh, I've been I don't want to say undertrained, but conservatively trained, right through mm-hmm. my college and and uh, um, stuff like that. Like I didn't, I left college running like maybe I think I hit 70 once, and then all the way through Team Run Eugene to to even be able to run like 75 or 80. Um, it's like I've ran 90 at this point, like two or three times in my career. Um, so I think like some other people that may have had a more uh, aggressive uh, college career or you know they're running more intensity more volume for the last six or seven years like i, I definitely think that wears on you uh, just from uh even even outside of a physical just a psychological um and, and just the like the monotonous monotonous um,
0: what's the what's the longest run you've ever done the longest run i've ever done um probably 18 oh wow that, that's uh, like Almost I mean, now that I train for marathons, I feel like and my boyfriend. My boyfriend's an ultra marathoner, so like I have a very yeah. skewed perspective now. But yeah. yeah. I'm so yeah, it, if you're not even hitting that 20, that's you got plenty of room to grow for sure.
1: Yeah, and that's I mean, yeah, it's the steeple is such a weird event because I think that you have to train like 80% of a 5k or and 80% of a fifteen or something, you know, like you have to have the speed at the end of the race. Um, but you also like it's it's not a traditional uh lactic
0: build because you're jumping every
1: hmm. couple of years. Do
0: you years. ever, so do you guys ever do, I mean, we very rarely did this when I was running the steeple, but I always enjoyed it where, did you, do you ever do any really like truly fast running over hurdles in practice, or is it just more like you do the speed and then you work on, you know, the hurdle unique technique separately?
1: No, definitely. Um, uh, right away when you say that my first, uh, inclination is my, my this this, this, nothing to do with training this looking back at this doesn't make any sense uh but my coach maybe i had talked him into it or whatever but i did a a 110 hurdle workout uh um that was basically just me bounding at a certain point because i don't (laughs) i don't have the the power i can't generate the power to actually like yeah it was like i either had to because he won i think he wanted me to three-step or something it was super hard and were they sat
0: at the like the high set
1: man. it was like i don't have the power to get from pointed like if i were to do the same leg i would have to like stutter step real aggressively and if i wanted to alternate after like hurdle three or four i wasn't running fast enough to actually like hurdle over it so i was just jumping um i mean i I would never
0: have anyone do that as a (laughs) steeple chaser
1: but recent not recently but uh, we will do maybe 10 did you time it
0: did you like did you see like what um, (laughs) uh, i get smoked uh yeah no (laughs)
1: I I, I could text him and see, but
0: uh, it wouldn't be pretty. Um, I I think even in my like best steeple shape, like I don't think I could get over 10, like 110 hurdle heights, like in a row, like.
1: (laughs) Oh no, they weren't the height
0: though. They weren't. Oh, that's what I asked. Like the, yeah, yeah, they were steeple height. That's way, that's way easier.
1: There's not a world where I'd be able to go. Yeah, I don't have the hip mobility to do that. They,
0: yeah, uh, I have the height,
1: but yeah, no, uh, not technique for the, what, what are they? 40, 40,
0: 42, 42 yeah. inches, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but we will do, we'll, we'll do speed stuff. Um, you know, I've done 10 by a quarter at 63 or 64 off of 60 seconds rest, um, which is kind of like that middle ground of where, um, you're not like a full sprint. Um, but I've also done, you know, some, uh, couple before the 817, I did a a couple, it was four, 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 eight, four, four, something like that. And I think I ran like two Oh one or two, two flat, uh, over the, over all five or all 10 hurdles, I guess. Um, and that was a pretty good indicator that I was like, I have like closing speed, right. Um, Mm -hmm. so I will do it, but it's not, it's not common
0: do you ever so this is the last nerd steeple question listeners i apologize but um do you ever are you ever tempted to do the like the kenyan thing where you just like send it over the last water jump and don't even clear the hurdle
1: i did that i did that in college a couple times um how'd it go (laughs) uh i so i thought that was always really cool um uh, whether or not it's efficient. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm so tired at the end of the race that I don't, I couldn't imagine creating again, enough power to like clear everything. I need that height to get over the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would actually practice though that sometimes, um, for fun when we were after meets, uh, I would just go and just like, mm-hmm. I have a couple of photos of me hurtling and it's a, we- it's a weird feeling. Um, the Kenyan style is like that tuck, right? Almost like a tail grab situation where you just tuck both legs. Yeah, the, the,
0: le- the legs are different. And I guess if you're, both your legs are kind of under you, it's probably it, like a slightly lower risk. Like if you
1: hurdle, yeah, because I hurdled them, and it's it's a very weird feeling because you have to hurdle, but then you have to hold your tail leg, your trail leg, and your lead leg. Like you have to just you're just in that position for like a half second because you have to jump over that, and then you have to hold it until you get close enough to be able to cycle through, right? um so if you've never done it it's a, it's not it's a weird feeling um and i am so, not i'm not ever trying to do that i think <laughs> i think I, i'm quicker if i plan
0: we can all agree that uh steeple is the sexiest event but if you had to pick let's say let's say a field event just to make it more interesting well, if you had to pick a field event to be good at
1: I, I mean it, well, this, pole
0: vault? Pole
1: vault, yeah i just i think that like athletically uh i think that looks a lot of fun and uh i'm also like borderline adrenaline junkie. So that also seems uh, more adventurous.
0: Well, uh, as a borderline adrenaline junkie, um, uh, you know, presumably in the off season, once uh, you know, all races are off the schedule, what's where, how are you getting your fix?
1: Oh, I don't, I don't, I can't get a fix right now. (laughs) So I mean like if I were to mountain bike as aggressively as, as I want to, or, or, um, go snowboarding or water skiing or something like that. Like I would just end up hurting myself. Um, <laughs> I've had a couple of close calls like earlier in my career uh, just with, you know, like the, the heart sinks. Cause you do something and you're like, that could have been really bad. And then you're like, all right, time to just sell the bike. And um, yeah, but mountain biking, other, other forms of like, they have the speed aspect, but it also plays very well into like my cardio background um like road biking is a is a nice fix because i can mop down hills um mm-hmm. uh, and you know i can just go out on lake mary and just hammer as hard as i want and i'm not ever going to run into anything um or get hurt right as long as the wheels are on <laughs> um <laughs> but with mountain biking I, I definitely i've had some like clip the handlebar situation where i'm like oh i could have just broken a collarbone and then that's you know yeah
0: we had a very know, whole... uh strict no skiing during winter break rule in college was uh that was always the one that I think got, got some guys in trouble if, uh, with injuries and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, how do you
1: roll your ankle? You're like, oh, I s- stepped on some ice. <laughs> the, uh,
0: actually, we used to ask this a lot in the pod. And I, we have not in a couple episodes. But uh, I, I call it the self-inflicted wound se- session where you just just did something really stupid that was your own like not like you know not a a race you know tearing your PCL but have you ever just done something like totally dumb that just like came back to to bite you in the ass um oh I mean for sure I'm just trying to think of a a um, (laughs) a podcast appropriate one
1: (laughs) uh my sophomore year of college um, so I grew up playing soccer and that's still like my,
0: my favorite sport to play. Um, I was joke. I've broken a that, lot of toes playing soccer barefoot. So I'm, I'm with you yeah, on this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell a lot of people that
1: like, if I were to get offered the same amount of money to go be like a practice jockey, I would <laughs> I just switch. Um, but there was a, a big soccer tournament, um, at our, at Eastern Oregon, uh, the weekend, the week before nationals. And at this point I was known as like the runner around the small school. Right. And uh, i had played a lot of pickup soccer and stuff like that during the off season. And so I played in this tournament um, the weekend before, and I don't know how many miles I ran, but it was like four or five games on a Saturday and that were all only like 60, 45, 60 minutes. Um, It was just a lot of soccer. And I uh, was seated pretty well going into USA or into <laughs> USA's into, into NAI Nats. And I think i made it by like, I was the last guy in off time. Um, just because I was so, so exhausted tired. from the, pre- yeah. the prelims was Thursday. And so like I played Saturday, Sunday, and then we traveled Tuesday, race Thursday. And I, I planted the last two full laps. I'm pretty sure of every single barrier. Cause I couldn't hurdle them <laughs> at that point um and that's the only time i've ever done that and that that definitely Le- is learn like- your lesson the hard way <laughs> yeah, i didn't I, I like i saw my coach across the field and i did the like the roundabout thing where like he walked towards me one way and i'd walked the opposite way so i was always mm-hmm. on the opposite side of the track for like two hours um <laughs> until he calmed down because he was so pissed uh, but then i made it to the final and everything was fine did you, did you, did you spill the beans as to why you were so tired? Oh, to It's no, no. yeah. like, I don't travel. I don't, <laughs> I'm sure he's not, home. I'm sure, you know, he's been doing that for 25 years. He, he, I'm sure, you know, coaches always um, know that's a,
0: like uh. Parents and
1: kids, here like, you, you make up some dumb story and the parents are like, I know what happened, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, Awesome. Well, uh, as, as we, uh, wrap up, uh, with our, our silly questions, we asked the the same three questions of all our guests. Um, the first is your Instagram crush. Um, it can be, it doesn't have to be a real crush and it doesn't have to just be Instagram. A lot of like TikTok trends, like, you know, whatever, whatever you're into on the internet these days when you mean crush you know like a singular person or it can be uh, interpreted as broadly as you would like sometimes people will be like oh i think this person's hot but some like the like the tick tock of like the kids singing the corn song like that can be your instagram crush too <laughs> uh, okay well i am old school and you can if you go far enough back on my instagram when it was like a little
1: cheesier uh <laughs> there's definitely uh, an emma watson post so we'll just go with that
0: Oh, just Uh, stick with that. She just did some like a very alt uh, magazine shoot or something. I forget what that
1: is. I saw that. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, I mean, she's also my age and growing up with
0: Hermione, right? So (laughs) that is a perfectly acceptable Instagram crush. Um, The next one is uh, your go to karaoke song. Someone hands you the mic. Your time to shine. What do you say? Oh, man. All right, this
1: is going to throw people uh, – it's Your Song by Moulin Rouge. It's Ewan McGregor sings it.
0: Um, okay. Well, so, so it's Ellen John, but it's Ewan McGregor doing – uh,
1: yeah, I do know that, but I, I like <laughs> the Ewan McGregor version better. Um, it's either that or it might be um, Dwayne Johnson in uh, Moana. It's uh, the demigod song. I forget the name of it. Um, but those two are—they're musicals, so they're super easy yeah. to sing too. Um, but uh, those
0: are kind of the two that are fun. Great choice. I—I'm a big uh, Elephant Love medley fan. If we're going on oh, Rouge songs, okay. but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I also love Rouge. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I—I would—I I have probably only seen that movie once, but I love that song. And the, and the Ewan McGregor your song cover is very good as well. So I, I can definitely co-sign on that um and and last but not least your death row meal you're going to the chair you get one last meal anything you want what are you eating
1: (laughs) probably like pumpkin pie or something crazy like that
0: that's Uh, not that crazy that's a good one that's that's i i I binge on that um you're going just as much pumpkin pie as you can eat or you're having a big dinner and then finishing it Uh, off with pumpkin pie
1: oh it might just be sweets the whole way
0: yeah yeah. No apple? Not even gonna mix it up? You're just going straight pumpkin pie? Oh,
1: uh, no. I mean, my my second pie would probably be it's like a a rhubarb pie. It's okay.
0: Really good. With vanilla That's... ice cream. <laughs> Not whipped cream. Oh, I'm a big homemade whipped cream guy. That's Only like... whipped cream on the pumpkin pie, but vanilla ice cream on the rhubarb pie. Yeah. All right. I'll I will. These are definitely good answers. <laughs> I will definitely approve. Um, and we'll we'll make sure that when we execute you, um, that we have those available. Costco oh, <laughs> pumpkin pie for me. <laughs> awesome well well thanks for coming on isaac um i i hope uh the fall is covid free um and (laughs) (laughs) there is uh plenty plenty more uh steeple in the future and a lot less uh virus for sure
1: (laughs) definitely yeah yeah thanks for uh thanks for having me on
0: yeah it's been awesome and uh until next time this has been run your mouth